0: Hello and welcome to The More The Merrier with Donna G on CIUT eighty nine point five FM. Everyone is welcome here. On today's show I'll be chatting with Bobby Del Rio, who is an actor writer and TV host of The Daily Drop and Bobby and I'll be reconnecting after many years of talking on the radio about the impact of the SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild of America strike the impact it's having on his business in LA and the work that his friends are doing and then I'll be airing a YouTube segment that is presented by Brickyard. It features the godfather of Canadian spoken word, Dwayne Morgan. It's a full show, so let's get things started. Curated by the people, for the people. CIUT
1: 89.5 FM is the sound of your city.
0: You're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G. Joining me now is Bobby Del Rio, a.k.a. Bob Man. <laughs> and I met Bobby years ago when he had a play. I forgot the name of the play, but it was in your kitchen, I believe. Yeah, uh, anyway, my- well, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Bobby. Welcome back to Thank my you. show.
2: Thank
0: you. So yeah, it was in my stage day-
2: manager's apartment
0: you know, okay. Three plays
2: about Toronto Theater in 2009. I remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, a sold out show because it was yep. a tiny space, but sold yep. out is sold out. And it's so interesting um, to see your growth, and also one of the stars of that play, um, Bahia Watson, to watch her growth as well. You know, being that was her first
2: play, that was her very first play.
0: Yeah, and she was outstanding, and she's done um, stage and television on on both sides of the border now. You know, being on Star Trek, incredible. Um, But Bobby. I've seen your work as an actor, as a producer. You know, um, I'm not a Bitcoin uh, user, so uh, <laughs> nice. your TV show, The Daily Drop, um, confuses me. <laughs> yes,
2: confuses many people, but I'm there to educate.
0: <laughs> exactly, which is what you've always done. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're you founded um, going back now, and you founded. Include, which um you started to get, you know, actors of color before there was this even BIPOC uh, anagram. You sure. started um that network to get people working, to get people seen. And
2: yeah, I did. I did it before executives uh, had a performative ethos to pretend that they cared.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. To pretend yeah. that they cared.
2: Yeah, I did it. I did it when uh, when hiring people of color was the right thing to do. And I when I was getting death threats, when I was when I was being told that I wasn't going to have a career. But I was like, well, too bad, because it's like you're not hiring any of us. So I'm going to do something about it.
0: What do you mean you were getting death threats?
2: Oh, I got death threats. About what? About stop doing what you're doing. Like, shut the hell up. Like I like people wanted to fight me and kill me like all the time. Yeah. That was common. It wasn't so like a wanting
0: actors thing. of color to have work.
2: Yeah. 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 Because at the time you were like it was like I would say ninety-nine percent of the jobs were for Caucasian actors. And if you even brought up the subject anywhere, people would deny it, they would yell at you, like, yeah, people want to fight me, kill me, like all kinds of stuff. I I got tipped off that all these people ending my career, they blacklisted me, closing doors. Yeah, it was, it was really bad, but I just, I'm from the hood, so I don't care. (laughs) I was like, all right, I'll fight you. I I had no idea what was going on in the
0: background.
2: It was very, very, like, very, very confrontational and aggressive, but, you know, it had to be done, and if you look how much the industry has changed, at least in terms of, you know, some people are getting jobs, and some people do care, I was being a bit facetious when I said that, but a lot of people still don't, you know, I think the political pressure worked, where now they're hiring some people, not just actors too, it's like writers, directors, producers. There was yeah. almost there was almost zero before. It was like one one percent maybe anecdotally. Like if someone of color got a job, it was a miracle. So that's why what I had created was a network to unite all the different communities with all the different arts organizations across different cultures, so that when something affected any of our communities, we could all um, compare. And then it turned into this thing where when people actually wanted to hire somebody, they didn't know how to reach them because there were so few people who were established because we weren't giving jobs that I I I kind of created an agency in a way, but I never it wasn't for money. I never made a dollar from that. It was just a way for them to find people of color to hire them basically.
0: Yeah, cuz you know, I got those emails and I would forward it to actor mm-hmm. friends that I knew um, so they would be aware of what was going on. So you created a real network and in fact, an agency, yeah. um, a de facto agency, even though you weren't you weren't being paid. Of. Yeah, by, by
2: accident. Yeah. You know, but there was, they just had no other way of contacting people of color. And I had built it for political reasons. I had built it to communicate emails and articles and stuff, but then it actually became this thing where a lot of people got jobs. A lot of people's first job in the industry, Came through, include, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and mm. meanwhile, in the background, people are are threatening you. Um, yeah. why were you such a threat to to the industry?
2: Because it's, it's it's. I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to be honest. Even now, I'm not allowed to say that. Like the overwhelming majority of people who are hiring people of color don't care. And that includes people of color. Do you know how many people of color don't even care about hiring people of color because so many people are so selfish that it's infuriating. That's why I stopped doing political activism uh, because so many people that I was working with didn't care about the cause. They were there for their own careers. Uh, It was disgusting. Not everyone. like There's mm -hmm. obviously people who are... You know, like the, you know, there's real companies who are there to create real opportunities for for community, but but it's it's sad because there's been this new wave of people who exploit. Um, I would say the cause for personal gain, and that's it's more than you'd think.
0: Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! That's opening up my eyes um, to the behind the scenes of, right. of what's going on. It's certainly not everyone. And it doesn't
2: mean like everyone who's white doesn't care or doesn't know. It's just there's a lot of people pretending because they don't want to get in trouble, which I understand. But for me, it was always about you need to see everybody as a human being, as a unique artist who's not better or worse than you because of the color of their skin. You just need to see what they can do. Right. Like Donna, you've been doing this for so long. It's not because, oh, well, you, because you're a black woman. It's like, no, because you put the work in. You've been doing this. I've known you for like, what, 15 years.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been in radio for a long time. Unpaid. Right.
2: <laughs> right. Unpaid. But you know more than how many people. I mean, you've got to be, for me, one of the most knowledgeable journalists in Canada because you've been following the arts community for so long.
0: Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen the ups and the downs. Um, you know, I, I, Plus, I, I don't tell secrets, you know, I don't right. I don't tell secrets. Um, I'm not here to, you know, put anybody um, on the hot seat in terms of. Because they're because, again, it might put their career in jeopardy because they'll tell me honestly what's happening with them, but um, I won't, you know, put it out there because I don't want to destroy anyone's career and you know know, i've I've established um you know that trust with my guests um but it you know the arts are an interesting um career it's an interesting career because a lot of people it they have to do it you know there are other things that they could be doing but they they love it Um, They want to do it and um, it's their passion because obviously they're not in it for the money, you know? Well,
2: you know, I mean, yes. Although I will say I made more money last year than I'd ever made. And now that I'm in Hollywood, it's like some of the numbers are like astronomical, (laughs) which is crazy because starting, you know, in the Canadian independent theater scene, and now having relationships with a-listers and you know some of the top executives in hollywood i mean it's it's crazy it's it's pretty cool
0: let's talk about that that move of yours from mm. uh, canada to the u.s um how yeah. did that come about
2: um i mean so i still go back and forth um but my whole team is in la now my agent my manager are, are in los angeles um it all happened with clubhouse to be honest. So, like. I don't know if you followed my journey at all, um, but in 2021, I joined this app, Clubhouse, um, which became maybe the hottest app in the whole world.
0: Um, Bobby, sorry to interrupt, but um, for people who are not familiar with Clubhouse, um, can you speak more about what exactly it is?
2: Yeah, so Clubhouse became probably the hottest app in the world during the pandemic. So it's essentially like um, an audio-only platform where people would talk to each other all around the world. But because it was during the pandemic, where people weren't physically allowed to be in the same room as each other, it became a huge app because it was all of a sudden, you had this amazing way to connect to people all around the world in a very intimate way at a time when we really, really craved that intimacy. And so it became this huge app it became like this this sort of hotspot for like celebrities and major executives in Hollywood and entrepreneurs and you know, like really top business people and celebrities all around the world joined this app. And I was fortunate enough to get invited when you could only invite two people. So it was pretty exclusive to get in. And then I just met all these celebrities and Hollywood executives and entrepreneurs. And then I, I became one of the top personalities on the app out of 10 million users. Which wow. was insane. Yeah, it was crazy. And I, I I, became, in a way, like the face of Hollywood. Because I'd go into all these rooms and people would start calling me, Bobby Del Rio, the Hollywood superstar. Which was insane. Because <laughs> I'd never even been to LA.
0: Wow. Right? So, and then I ended up getting did, an agent did,
2: from the app.
0: Okay, so that was going to yeah. be my next question. So you got yeah. an agent um, from the app. um what year was that that you got the agent
2: 2021
0: okay and when did the actual move uh to la happen well it's
2: like i'm still going back and forth right so i could be here full-time now i've been in la for the last four months and uh, like i said my team is here my agent is here my manager is here um but because of the hollywood strike um i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to canada Um, I have, a. have been offered like a few different projects, like as an actor, um, or television host. So it's about figuring out, okay, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? I can still do journalism. Um, so I've been offered season two of my crypto show, essentially reporting on crypto and blockchain technology. Um, and then there's Canadian work available, which obviously isn't, um, part of SAG, um, so yeah, basically you can't do American work, um, or if they're if they are, sometimes they'll hire like non union or whatever they're doing. Uh, I put myself on strike in solidarity with SAG and the WGA, so I'm definitely not taking any American acting or writing jobs until the strike is over. Even though technically I'm not SAG or WGA, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know all my all my all my friends now are are like in Hollywood and everybody's on strike, so. I put my strike myself on strike for that work as well
0: in solidarity 100 percent yeah um, what's it like for them Bobby what's what's what what stories are you hearing from them or what are you seeing?
2: Oh, it's terrible. it's it's first of all for anyone who hasn't been to LA it's tremendously expensive. it's it's very cool because you have like some of the top people in the whole world in the entertainment space are all here in the same city. So you could like literally go and grab a sandwich and bump into a celebrity. Like, it's just that, that's LA. Um, and So it's, it's cool, but at the same time, there's so many people in the entertainment industry here and this strike is affecting everybody. Like I heard the Los Angeles um, sort of local economy has taken a hit by $3 billion already because of the strike. Because yeah. so many people work in the entertainment industry and so, when they don't have money, they stop going to restaurants. They stop going to coffee shops. They stop driving. It so all there's so many people here who aren't working, who don't know what to do, who are struggling to get by, who don't have income. It's a really, really tough situation.
0: Yeah, and the f- the fact that you know almost ninety eight percent of SAG AFTRA decided to to go on strike. Mm -hmm. Knowing the risk they were taking just shows how serious it is. And, you know. um,
2: Well, I would say it's a bigger risk to not go on strike in a way, just because if you look at the way rates have been declining uh, in terms of the money you get, right? Residuals declining, uh, AI starting to be a bigger and bigger part of the industry, which is going to take jobs away. It, It really does feel like an existential crisis. Like if if we don't take a stand right now to have fair working conditions before things get even worse, we could lose the whole industry.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And the money will be in in the hands of uh, even fewer. I've been, you know, hearing the stories and, you know, know, watching YouTube and seeing some interviews on other um, on American stations and, you know, uh, getting... People made money from residual checks if their shows became popular pre-streaming, right? right. They're making less money now, even for bigger shows. Um, I saw it's, Le- it's,
2: it's very opaque, right? It's it's like people don't quite know. Like this is the new streamer era where there's less transparency, yeah. and the streamers say that they're losing money, but then there's so many subscribers. And so then the reporting of the shareholders that, well, we did this, but then they say, but we lost money. and Like nobody quite knows exactly what's going on. And then and there's no trust. So it's really hard to know, well, how much money are you making? What's our fair share? Because they cut people out of the numbers, right?
0: Well, for exactly. They're not showing the numbers where with with the previous system, the residual system, you would know how much the breakdown, you would see the um, financial breakdown. So you knew what percentage you would get. And with streaming, they're not even making that um, information available. It's like I was watching an interview with um, a couple of actors from Orange is the New Black, where somebody admitted, somebody was at a party and and heard um, how much uh, bigger Orange is the New Black is in streaming than Game of Thrones. And you know they're getting a residual check for twenty dollars, and I'm thinking,
2: oh yeah, you know.
0: Or and somebody one being... thing that go ahead, one Bobby. Thing I think,
2: one thing I think Canadians don't quite understand about Hollywood, you know, Canadian obviously there's there's an entertainment industry as well, but it's not the same stakes. There's not the same money that you can make and being lost. But also, it's so much more expensive to live in the United States, especially L.A. And it like in Canada, you know, if you if you plug away long enough, you get to a point where people kind of know you and you start to work more consistently. Um, I don't really see that in Hollywood. You know, like I know a whole bunch of celebrities and Oscar winners and, you know, major Hollywood executives and producers, people with lots and lots and lots of credits. And some of them don't work at all. It's, It's like there's just so many people here. And it's so competitive, where it's like somebody could have a huge job. And if you haven't talked to them for three months, they might not have that job anymore. And they may not work again for years. So yeah. the need to make that money in Hollywood is like, is very, very urgent. So when you start to really take that money away and you take, you know, the entire infrastructure and you start to gut it, which is happening, you, you start to destroy people's lives.
0: Definitely. I mean, when um, when most of the union members um, can't make that, you know, 26,000 to get health insurance, then, you know, there's a problem. You know, there's a problem.
2: Right. And that's another nuance that that Canadians don't don't really grasp. And it was hard for me until I got here in L.A., right, is that, you know, in Canada, we have free health care. So. That's a huge thing where just in case something goes wrong, it's like you're, you're, you're covered, right? Yeah. It's, it's not that in the U S and it's, it's, it's hard to just get by and pay your bills. And, and then, and then it's like, if you can't make that money where it's harder and harder to make the money, you can't even get like basic health coverage. Uh, I mean, that could, that could destroy your whole family, you know?
0: Exactly. So this is uh. I think this strike and the fact that it's the um, the Writers Guild and um, SAG-AFTRA as well combined Mm -hmm. in this strike shows that this is a pivotal moment um, for everybody in the industry, for the working people um, in the industry. I mean, the 1% have made their money and, you know, have invested, but, you know, most people... Aren't like the the actors from Friends, you know, who by who oh, by yeah. the way who got residuals? If they were working now, and their their show um was popular on streaming, they'd be getting that same twenty dollars, and you know, uh living in that same you know studio apartment or you know the luxury luxurious one bedroom apartment. Oh yeah, um, it be- because the of whole streaming. System. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention AI, um, you know, people's images being used without their consent. You know, it's. um, And and
2: they can do everything. I remember, you know, I was hosting 40 episodes of this TV show, right? The Daily Drop. And I remember I came in once and it was we were going to do a sketch. And the sketch was I was going to be doing, um, you know, like a scene with me. Because they can copy me. They can copy my face and my voice. And then I was going to do like a little sketch with the AI version of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And partly, you know, it was like like amusing, but also it was a bit terrifying because you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize the technology was so advanced that they can they can copy your your face and your voice pretty easily now.
0: Yeah. And uh, replace the actual Bobby Del Rio with the AI, Bobby Del Rio. Yeah. It's like yeah. and that and... was the sketch.
2: And then it's like it's probably gonna be better than me because I'm so stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're like oh, stop God. it.
0: So <laughs> you don't get to where you are and survive all these years by by being stupid. So come on. But you know, um, I've heard of actors finding out that you know they've been scanned, and they find out that their scan has been used for something else that's making millions if not billions for a company and they've seen nothing because, um, you know, because of the the contract they signed was just for once to be scanned, um, but it didn't include how often that image could be used. And that is what needs to be negotiated as well.
2: And this is a huge, huge point, right? Because um, as the technology gets better, like, you won't you won't be able to tell the difference between an actor being filmed and their, an AI version of them. And then also, generative AI is going to be able to... Not only can they write the scripts, which they can do now, and that's only going to get better. They can actually create the finished product from scratch through prompts. So imagine going to, like, you know, chat GPT-11 or a competitor or something... And then you punch in, oh, romantic comedy, Halle Berry, you know, at 25 with, you know, Ryan Gosling, you know, with Marilyn Monroe playing the best friend, boop. And then here's a movie in 10 seconds, 90 minutes, go and watch it. Like that's where the technology is heading. How do you compensate people for that?
0: Exactly. And it should be written into the contract as to, you know, the limitations. Uh, You should own yourself, you know, (laughs) it's like your image should be protected um, as as an as an actor and um, and what your image can be used for. You should have that power. I mean, you could end up, Bobby, you could end up being in something, you know, some propaganda piece for a political uh, view that you don't espouse. Oh yeah. And and you would have no control over that. So... And people do
2: that, you know. It's funny because on Clubhouse, uh, obviously I, I became one of the most popular people on the platform, right? And it was actually terrifying because it was it was very competitive. And so people would try to destroy me and they would make up rumors and they would they would take characters from one of my movies or plays and say, you know, like if a character was racist, they would say. That I'm racist as like uh, really 20 years of being an anti-racism political activist and teach you what my politics are. But it's it's like people will weaponize anything they can to stop you for their own purposes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as that AI technology improves, like there's stories where people will like pick up the phone and it's the voice of their son. The voice of their mother and it's so realistic and they're like oh my god like I, I'm in trouble send me $5,000 and like oh my god and they send the money and then it turns out that's not the relative it was yeah, AI
0: I've heard of that mm-hmm. and so that's what um, that's what the actors and the you know the the stunt people the voiceovers the dancers that's what both unions um, are fighting for and mm-hmm. I think we, you know myself as a consumer of the product you know i want them to be paid fairly i want them to i want people to own their image to own themselves well thank you
2: you know i think a lot of people don't really care so much and realize that that affects our lives and can destroy us too right it's it's like if somebody was to take our voice or our image pretend they're us i've had six uh fake Instagram accounts. My my Instagram account has been cloned six times in the last year of people pretending to be me. And then because I was hosting a crypto television series, they would literally message my friends and be like, hey, actually, I'm also selling crypto and you know, you should buy through me. And then all these people started messaging me like, are you trying to sell me crypto? I was like, no. and But some of my friends didn't know and they were literally said they were talking to them for like a week and then didn't realize it was me until I posted, um, hey, that's not me. That's a fake Instagram. They're like, what? Wow. Like that's how destructive this stuff can be. And for those of us who have a pretty, pretty good media profile, you know, you if you successfully can pretend you're one of us, you, you could do a lot of damage to our personal lives.
0: Definitely. And, um, you know, you, 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 um, have the luxury of being able to, to come back to Canada and do some work, but Mm -hmm. your career in the U S is at a standstill because, um, I know you're in solidarity because of your activism and just because, you know, you're a good person, but all of those people are going to be suffering, um, until, um you know the uh the producers uh offer something real and oh yeah uh, and they can do it because um wh- what is it A24 which is an indie company mm-hmm. has agreed to terms um with uh with what the unions want so some people are doing some indie work. So if an indie studio like A24 can do it, the larger studios can definitely do it. It's just a matter of greed, in my opinion.
2: Well, well this is the thing, right? And so I keep hearing, I used to hear, oh, it'll go for a month. Then I hear, oh, September, October. Now I keep hearing next year. This strike's going to go till next year. And it's because what I'm told is that the studios are saving money because they stockpiled a bunch of product. And they can they can use this sort of forced majeure, you know, this the sort of like extraordinary circumstances, clause to get out of all of these deals that they signed that they no longer want. And then they save all this money by firing people, by like not hiring artists, by not doing show. Like they save money um, essentially by fixing their own mistakes, by exploiting legal loopholes, right? so the reason i think that they haven't come to a fair agreement is that they're saving money by not honoring the contracts that they previously signed right so I, 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 that's why I, yeah
0: i do wonder though if mm-hmm. any of the states will step up and say wait a minute you know we had this production that was planned for our you know for a city in our state um And we're not getting that money now. It's like the hotels, as you mentioned, the hotels are not going to be getting that money. The local stores are not going to be getting any of that um, production money. And um, I wonder at what point the states will have to step in and say, you know, work on this. Uh, It's an intelligent point. It's it's impacting economies.
2: The problem is that, um, although I do think that's a brilliant point, and and maybe will be a factor. Um, states and provinces are always competing against each other for tax incentives, right? Like you always saw that in Canada, right? It was like BC and Toronto go back and forth as to who can give you a better deal, and yeah. then the Maritimes would get it, and then Saskatchewan. And the U.S. is the same, right? It's like it's you know it's like they shoot a lot in Georgia or they shoot in Louisiana or they shoot. California, New York, like it's like they're competing yeah. against each other for the best. Deal. So I just don't know if this if the states are going to try to undercut each other or if they will, as you say, maybe band together. Be like, hey, like you said you were going to give us this money. Where is it? You need to end this strike.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in solidarity with, um, with the, the unionized workers, you know, it's, uh, bad enough in Canada for people to, to make a living, let alone, um, in, in the U S and especially in the cities, you know, that are expensive.
2: Oh yeah. But people may not realize that this is an international problem too. I was talking to a friend of mine who's one of the top, um, sort of like location services companies in London, England. And, you know, they do make like all the studios, TV shows, all you know, they service them all. And production is down. I talked to her the other day, 67%. She was telling me it's down in Morocco. My friend was telling me the hot list in Canada, which is a list of productions, it's down to three productions. Like it's it's hurting countries all around the world that rely on Hollywood productions uh, to, to pay their bills. So it's not even it's not just an American problem it's like a, actually an international problem the whole film industry uh is hurting um in every territory around the world
0: Well let's see what these producers um come up with in their offer and uh Bobby uh thank you so much uh for talking to me it's been nice uh reconnecting uh well, I, with you I appreciate you,
2: you. Thank you, Donna, as always. And again, like I really, as an artist, I want to thank you for, you know, your support, your knowledge, your passion, because you really do care and you really do know the scene extremely well. And that is tremendously valuable. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, It's nice to hear that, you know, because, you know, I do this show. um, I've been on air for over 20 years, but it's always nice to it's always nice to get a compliment. And I'm I'm learning to accept them. (laughs) <laughs>
2: something okay, i'm, I'm glad i could be i'm part of your your healing journey you know it
0: is because somebody said um it's a compliment i like to give compliments but it's always awkward for me to receive them so now i'm saying thank you more <laughs> So
2: wow you're, you're welcome
0: all right and um we'll have to chat when you uh come back to canada definitely I want to thank Bobby for doing that interview right out of LA three hours earlier. Thank him so much. And if you want to learn more about Bobby, you can find him on Instagram at Bobby Del Rio, D-E-L-R-I-O, and also on LinkedIn under Bobby Del Rio. On X, you can find him as Bob Mann. Coming up Dwayne Morgan.
1: CIUT 89.5 FM, the sound of your city. Stream us anytime
0: at www.ciut.fm. Hi, everyone. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The More, The Merrier with Donna G. on CIUT 89.5 FM. Coming up is a segment that is presented by Brickyard Spoken Word. The audio is from a video on YouTube featuring Dwayne Morgan, who is sometimes known as the godfather of Canadian Spoken Word. If you've ever heard of When Brothers Speak, When Sisters Speak, those events, he is the person behind it. He's also a motivational speaker, an event organizer, and a writer as well. You can find his works on duanemorgan.ca. But the YouTube is the YouTube video is being presented by Brickyard Spoken Word, and they focus on poetry which I think is a wonderful idea. And I'll have to get someone from Brickyard on the show to talk about the work that they do. Here now is Dwayne Morgan from 2023's Black History Month, sharing several of his works.
3: There's a stereotype that exists about black people and welfare. But the truth to that really matters on who's telling the story and why. You see, I've grown up on a continent built on free and cheap labor, seen colonial empires built off of the sweat equity of people we now label as lazy. How does this even make sense? When the world's greatest welfare recipients all live behind a gated fence and they're all white, Still sucking money from the commonwealth, who have nothing in common with their wealth. Ask Canada how much we pay every year for them to have high tea and crumpets. I think it's high time that they stand on their own two feet. Maybe that would have made it easier for them to welcome Megan into their midst, a black woman who gave up her job on suits to follow suit, only to find out that she was not suited for the welfare life. Sorry, Harry. You're going to have to cut the cord and get a real job. Count on a black woman to stir the pot. They're probably actually used to that. I mean, black does go with everything. And we have been accessories for generations. Butlers, wet nurses, maids. Imagine pulling up a seat at a table your kind usually only cleans and serves. Imagine the thing seen and heard. Imagine the ways people try to watch their actions and their words, and the minute you advocate for yourself, you get called out for being out of turn. This is what happens when we are welcomed into environments where we are tolerated but unwanted, forced to mix like water with oil, forgetting that we are a people who have never needed crowns to remind us that we are royal. Thank you all. Uh, I'm going to go digging in the crates uh, for this next piece that I'm going to share with you. This poem uh, was written 20 years ago, and um, it's amazing that uh, people still ask to to hear it and that I still get to uh, share it. So let's get into it. As men, many of us tend not to see women as complete human beings, so instead we break them down into parts using Barbie doll images to determine who and what women really are. And we've gone so far that we've made some women hate themselves. Dark skin still isn't right. There are products on store shelves to make dark skin light for the closer it gets to white, the greater the chance that she might get a blind instead of fixating on her skin color, she can worry about her cup size because as men, we have some women staring at their chests, not satisfied with the size of their breasts taking matters into their own hands, resorting to surgical implants watching as their cup size grows. Young children are being born fed on hormones laced with silicone as our misogyny condones us being anti-women. Because we don't love women, we just love some parts of women but the sum of her parts is her essence. Age is both wisdom and a blessing, yet some women don't want to age. Wishing that they could be 25 for the rest of their days, going under the knife, allowing surgeons to stretch their face, cutting the years and the wrinkles away. Not recognizing the beauty of the age or age's beauty because she has been broken down into parts. Having her worth tied to some of her parts, but the sum of her parts is her beauty. As men continue to compartmentalize her into thick thighs and booty, because you know it's our duty to find the woman with the nicest ass and to compensate for those who don't have stores and are selling underwear with pads while those with too much are taking fat from the back and I'm putting it in their lips, doing just about anything to be shaped like an hourglass. Skinny girls have eating disorders thinking that they're fat while big girls are on diets trying to look like that and it would appear to me as though women have gone mad trying to live up to these standards as we as men set but could never pass. So she tries to pass by introducing him to her soul but his sole thought is that her soul is just a whole so he loves her for her whole and he thinks she's just a whole. He forgets about her soul and judges her by her whole but men we've got to love her as a whole. We've got to love her wholeheartedly, holistically. We have got to love she who holds the mystery to carry we to life. We have got to love her not by our standard, but by God's standard of perfection. She is deserving of love, respect, and affection as is. The gods made no mistakes when they created their kids. We have to recognize that every woman is a star who needs to be loved for who she is and for the sum of all her parts. Thank you. So I have a, a daughter who is now in grade ten, and she's always letting me know about things that are happening, you know, in her life, in her world, what happens at school and stuff. And this is uh, great intel for whatever it is that uh, you know I want to try to write and explore. So from some of that um, back when she was maybe in grade six or seven came this poem. When my daughter told me that she was being teased by one of the boys in her class, I couldn't help but laugh, knowing that he had picked the wrong one. A girl with a razor sharp tongue who would sharpen her edges on a fragile ego just for fun, if provoked. I let her know that the next time he loses his mind, simply tell him you're only doing that because you like me, but say it when he's with his friends. Watch him shrivel up like the wicked witch of the West, because the worst thing for a boy is to be caught having emotions that aren't anger or aggression, to be forced to be held accountable for his actions and intentions, and who's teaching the boys that no means no? Not maybe. Not maybe she didn't mean it. Not maybe I should try again later. Until such time that boys no longer feel a sense of entitlement simply because of how they were born, I will continue to be a thorn in their sides, a parenting vigilante, okay with Me Too as a movement, but not wanting it to be a part of another generation's reality. So I've given her permission to snap at any boy who thinks that snapping bra straps is cute, to clap back at anyone who gets confused, thinking that they can touch without permission or invitation, and who's teaching the boys, that their unsolicited opinions are okay. Until such time that things change, I will continue to teach her to be careful, know where the exits are, yell fire instead of rape, watch your drinks, Travel in groups until such time. That boys will be boys ceases to be used as an excuse. Freeing them from taking responsibility, I will continue to question, who do these boys become when they are taught that it is taboo to love, to like, to feel every three days across this land a woman or a girl is killed 90% of the times at the hands of men who's raising the boys who grow up to be them. Who's teaching the boys that rejection is just another part of life. Until such time that missing a shot with a girl is treated with the same nonchalance as missing a shot in a game. I will continue to teach her that pain doesn't mean I like you and to be wary of predators cloaked in affection because there are some who will seek to build themselves up using the broken pieces of your self-esteem. Pieces broken by their very own hands. Who's teaching the boys not to use their words, to have expectations for the bodies of others that they would never accept for their own, to act as though they are old simply because they were born male with no other virtues. Have you ever questioned who's teaching the boys? Yeah, I get it. Me too. Thank y'all very much. So I hope that you are enjoying the set so far that I've decided to um, share with y'all. Remember, uh, subscribe to the channel, comment below because we're trying to build a little movement here. All right. So y'all are a part of how we build this. Why are the black poets so aggressive and always talking about race? Even here, under the facade of a safe space, it happens. Passion mistaken for aggression. It seems as though every time we strive to be great, we are broken down to nothing but our race. Mario Balotelli, where do you call home when you have received no acceptance in the only place you have ever known you proudly wear an Italian flag that others wish they could pull from your chest and while it says Balotelli on your jersey, they have called you King Kong? dehumanized you with no red cards, treated you like a blackhead on the face of the beautiful game, thrown bananas at you as you have walked onto the field. It is amazing how alone one can feel on a pitch full of men. If only I could win enough, score enough. Maybe I could outrun my skin, but no, Mario. At some point, we have to stop running when the issue isn't us. Stop shifting to fit into boxes when we were born enough you see the scales of equality seem to have a permanent slant allowing you to get more jail time for killing a dog than for killing a black man so we step to the mic victims of our skin tone steps onto courts stages feels eager to play knowing that for us it will always be more than just a game fact white athletes are praised for their hard work discipline and knowledge of the game Fact, black athletes are praised for being naturally gifted freaks of nature with natural athleticism. Ironically similar traits to when we were being auctioned off as slaves, I guess it's no mistake why they call it color commentary. As Serena's body is ripped apart, scrutinized more than her skills, her dominance, not tied to decades of discipline and devotion, but to being masculine and aggressive, a double fault for the masses who believe there is only one mold for what a woman should look, and see seem like so in 2022 we still ask is the u.s open to a compton kid crip walking across courts with no care for your insecurities casting shadows with her wingspan while some would love to see her crash and burn she remains at phoenix rising from the author ashes affirming that there will always be hate but never let that stop you from striving to be great no matter your talent or your job you can be that tiger mastering courses you were never meant to play on So for the Jamaican immigrant suspended from school for being too loud, for the poet accused of being aggressive when they step in front of a crowd, release that aggression like a Serena Williams serve at an open mic or grand slam without ever giving a damn for what anyone has to say. Because these odds are stacked against us, but we still show up to play. So I'm winding down the set. I'm going to try to squeeze in two more poems for you. Uh, once again, my name is Dwayne Morgan, and so grateful for this opportunity to be able to share some of my work with you. Uh, again, going back to my daughter when she was much younger, and we were reading bedtime stories. I wasn't really a big fan of a lot of the messaging in the stories that um, in the books that that she had. So I had to create my own, and it went like this: I look forward to bedtime. I let her choose whatever story she wants to read and then I wait to see what adventures we find. Time after time, I've come to realize that there are dangers lurking on bookshelves. Words and sentences used to affirm the imaginations of boys while leaving girls to wonder if they're good enough to find their prince, And to think that we socialize girls to find their prince charming while never teaching boys how to be charming. I find this alarming. So allow me to tell you some things that these books refuse to in this life. You had better learn how to take care of yourself, there is no man coming to save you but one who will always have your back as a matter of fact. The man that you choose to love might end up being the one that you need to be protected from. As a matter of fact, your knight in shining armor might come riding in in a plaid shirt, stilettos or both, who knows, keep your options open as a matter of fact. You might even end up alone and that is also okay, because there's no reason to believe that you don't already have everything that you need and that some man is going to come and magically make you complete when you are far from a damsel in distress. Look at this world that we live in. If there's anyone that needs saving, it's probably men. So don't just spend your days only fantasizing about a wedding when there's so much adventure to be had. You can be an astronaut and fly to the moon. You can be an animator who invents cartoons. You can be a chemist or a mechanical engineer. You can be a makeup artist, help people style their hair. You can be anything that you want under the sun. But always remember that if a frog comes up to you and asks for a kiss, the first thing you should do is run because playing princesses is cool but there's no reason to believe that your self-worth should be tied to the views of one who sees you as more destined for the sidelines and being in the game I don't work this hard for you to not slay so for every young girl who dreams big dreams who wants to do things this world has never seen you go girl show off your magic be awesome make it a habit don't sit and be silent raise your voice and make noise embrace your imagination and leave the fairy tales to the boys. So I'm going to uh, close out the set on this note. This is the um, title poem from one of the books that I put out um, in the pandemic. During the pre-movie conversations, one of my friends mentioned that she almost canceled because her cramps were so bad. Just like that, the conversation seemed to become damp and heavy, almost as though an unexpected menstruation cloud had formed over our sunny celebration. Information shared with nonchalance had some up in their arms feeling uneasy with the natural processes of womanhood, and the irony was the ease with which we proceeded to watch the blood and gore in John Wick 3 while struggling with the reality of a woman bleeding in real life. Like a hand just got cut off, and we didn't even blink. But to think that there could be blood in this room sends some to the brink of insanity, yet many of us have played rhythm method Russian roulette, spending weeks praying that she gets it, then having the nerve to be upset that she's bleeding, as though that blood weren't the blessing that we were praying for, as though her egg weren't the sacrificial lamb saving us from becoming dads, letting us off the hook. Look, I have cut my finger while trying to cook and almost fainted struggle to wash the blood away and put a band-aid on and there are some of us who struggle just seeing a tampon box. I once gashed my knee and took two days off the pain making it hard for me to walk and then inwaltz women on crimson carpets always showing off bleeding for a week and still showing up alive and smiling. What magic is she made of? What superpowers does she possess? Maybe it's time we reassess this notion of a weaker sex. Can you imagine how this world would shut down if it was cis men who got periods? History reimagined, leaving room for PMS to be used as an excuse. G20 summits planned around cycles of the moon. Time of the month rooms mandated for every workplace. Sprayed with lavender, furnished with chocolate and sweets. Free use of hot water bottles at your local coffee shop. Advil dispensers for when the migraines pop up. Free tampons and pads. Flexible sick days to deal with the cramps. A statutory blood holiday where we pay homage to the brave men who have bled before and honor those who are bleeding now, bloody hell. We would reimagine Moses parting the Red Sea, see menstruation as a badge of pride, have compassion and empathy for other men which we so easily deny, we, like I, who have cried from paper cuts, never experiencing the gut-turning of cramps, surprise visits from Aunt Flo, the anxiety of being late or simply knowing that you've got to handle this one on your own, blood will be spilt, and you will live to tell the tale that most of us are too weak to even imagine we will watch our heroes on the big screen but it is our heroines who bleed kick ass take names adjust their capes then wait for their next battle to take place real life avengers with no infinity stones years away from their end game but monthly making us marvel and that is the truth as i see it period thank you all very much my name is Dwayne morgan peace y'all
0: Thank you all so much for staying with me for the hour. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any comments, suggestions, ideas for the show, please get in touch with me at TMTM with Donna G on Facebook and Instagram, or you can find me at www.ciut.fm. Click Sundays, 1 to 2 p.m. All my contact details are there. Before I leave, I want to play a track by Debbie Young. I often play Debbie on this show, but this track in particular, I wanted to play um, just, you know, in reference to what Dwayne talked about, about uh, bleeding and menstruation. The track you're going to hear is called Blood Clot. And I'm playing this because it was only on August 7th of 2023 that testing was done on menstrual products using blood for the very first time that's correct that blue liquid that we've all been seeing in the commercials um, is not an accurate depiction of what the product actually does the products actually does And the study was published in the BMJ, Sexual and Reproductive Health, on the 7th of August, 2023. Keep that in mind as we consider the stigma against people who bleed. Here now is Blood Clot, and I'll be back next week with another show for you.
1: Like the rest of my body, everything is sellable. Toxic shock syndrome, proctor gamble, chlorine bleach pad, sublunts in a apple. lurking culture, full jock, I sit on the shelf, legalized, pimping of my cunt and my blood, with or without applicator, with or without wings. Brand ABC or you don't give a blood clap on me, You not ever notice them on TV, Cortex tampon. Ways or maxi, them now use the red, I blew them use instead. And I wondered from where the shame around my container like a covert operation. More than half the population blade. We used to have no, 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 no blood ritual where women come together and bleed in the land. But now the blood not flow. Where did the rituals go? I manufactured GM chain designed to keep me in a chain. I blade, I blade, I blade. The blood in are bleeding the blood in My bleeding the blood in head. My nights of bleeding of blood in My nights of bleeding of blood in head. nights of bleeding of blood And come and come. A oofa, oofa, blood run. Big salary the blue dance. Telegraph like river. take my wife go to